following is an initiation lecture given by His Holiness Jayapataka Swami Maharaj on December 20th, 1990 at Mathura Desh. understand 
His spiritual knowledge is very difficult. But it's possible by taking shelter of great devotees of the Lord, like Narada Muni and those who are coming in the disciplic succession from Narada. Actually, we are coming in Brahma Sampradaya, for Brahma's first disciple is Narada. Narada's disciple is Vyasadeva. And Vyasadeva, Madhva Acharya received instruction. The instruction was handed down to the disciplic succession to Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then to the six Goswamis, Krishna Bhakti Vinod Thakur, Gorkhashadas Babaji Bhakti Siddhanta, Om Vishnupad Bhakti Siddhanta, Saraswati Thakur, Om Vishnupad, Avoycharan Bhakti Vedanta, Swami Prabhupada. So, in this way, Transcendental science is handed up. So, we are also coming in the Narada, the Siddha Succession. It's also explained in the next verse. Allah Maharaj continued, I received this knowledge from the great saint Narada Muni, who was always engaged in devotional service. This knowledge, which is called Bhagavad Dharma, is fully scientific. It is based on logic and philosophy, and it is free from all material contamination. Sutam etan maya purvam jnana vijnana sanyutam dharmam bhagavatam suddham narada devadarsana. So this Bhagavad Dharma is fully scientific, based on logic, philosophy. It's not. There are many dogmatic uh, teachings in the world where there's no explanation. Many times we discuss with people of different philosophies and religion. When we come up to a particular question, why is it that this is happening, they say it's a mystery. They don't have any explanation. They only explain from Bhagavad Gita, from the Srimad Bhagavatam. And all these questions that people generally leave up to mystery, they're easily answered or understood. Even if you say, why is it a mystery, they have no answer. So you find that then, even in spiritual life, you just get a few points where there's something known and a lot of mysteries. Nobody knows. But here, in the Bhagavad Dharma, all these empty gaps, which are like the missing link that keep it out and misgiving, they're all filled up. So one can get very clear picture. Of course, nowadays people are not so inclined to philosophy. So you have to tell other stories or 
keep it very simple. But some people are a little more inclined to philosophy. If someone's inclined, then there's a lot of Bhagavad Dharma very clearly understood. Prabhupada was explaining in the Western countries. Don't just think that Hare Krishnas are sentimental. We have a lot of books. And our, our practices are always based on the Vedas, on the philosophy. And in this way he could impress many big professors and PhDs, the heads of state, articles and many others, about the bona fides. In fact, uh, our devotees were chanting Hare Krishna in New York City and they were all arrested. You see, you can't chant in the streets. So we had to go to the court and we had to fight it. And then the, we went up to the Supreme Court of uh, the state of New York. That's like a high court in India, of a state which has high court. So they have state Supreme Court and national Supreme Court. So then we gave all of our books. We said that they had to read all these books. Then they can understand whether we're religion or not whether this is a spiritual process or not. So the judges were very convinced by the books. And they are submitted as evidence. All the books they had to read. <laughs> and Prabhupada made, had the disciple go there and make some very heavy statements. It really, and he just challenged that your society is simply based on, you see, illicit... Uh, sex and different activities, you don't have any uh, higher spiritual goal. You're trying to spread the higher spiritual goal and the people are obstructing. I'm paraphrasing it, it's even but very uh, direct statement he said to the court. And the judge appreciated that these people are very uh, convinced and they're also doing a very uh, proper thing, which is uh, definitely religious. And spiritual. So then he gave the declaration that the Hare Krishna is a bona fide religion. That was confirmed on more than one occasion by the Supreme Court of the United States also in different ways. So, in the beginning people, they don't, in fact, most people don't know that the Krishna conscious movement has got so many books. And many of our light members, I know in South India and Bangalore, we have one, one light member, many light members. One light member was there. He was a uh, smart Brahmin. He chanted every morning the Sahasranam of Vishnu. He would chant different suktas, including the Shiva Sutta and different homas he would do. He became a light member, but for three years he never opened any of the books. They were just sitting on his shelf. One day something happened, he took out one of the Bhagavatam and he opened up, started reading. Then he became very inspired and he suddenly said, you know, all these years I'm chanting all these mantras, but I never know who is actually God. <laughs> I know all the mantras by heart, but no one could tell me whether it's Vishnu or whether it's Shiva or whether it's Durga or Ganesha, who is actually the Supreme. So I know all the suktas. I chant all the names. But then I, by reading Prabhupada, now I can understand that the, who is the Supreme One. I can understand that the original personality is Krishna and how Krishna and Narayana is, Narayana is one of the forms of Krishna. 
Again, he could understand everything. He started to chant the Hare Krishna. He's the editor of one industrial paper also. So, these books are, especially these teachings, are meant so that anyone can understand this very difficult knowledge. But to understand, one needs to take shelter of the bona fide guru coming in the discipline succession. Taking initiation actually means to take the permanent shelter that qualifies one to get this knowledge in a deeper way. Even before initiation, by the blessing of Guru and Puranga, one is able to understand the philosophy by reading these books and studying to the devotees. Essential, according to Shastra, that we should have a guru. This is explained. Yavanan Nikaya Ratamatma Sasopa Kalpan Dati Garishta Charanacha Nayani Satam Ganasimachuta Baloda Dasta Satru Swananda Tushta Upasanta Idam Vijayat As long as one has to accept a material body, with a different, with its different parts and paraphernalia, which are not fully under one's control. One must have the lotus feet of his superiors, namely his spiritual master and the spiritual master's predecessors. By their mercy, one can sharpen the sword of knowledge, and with the power of the Supreme Personality of Godhead's mercy, one must then conquer the enemies mentioned above. In this way, the devotee should be able to merge into his own transcendental bliss, and then he may give up his body and resume his spiritual identity. Previously, the problems which we have to conquer are mentioned here. One's conceptions of life are sometimes polluted by passion and ignorance, which are exhibited by attachment, hostilities, greed, lamentation, illusion, fear, madness, false prestige, insults, false finding, deception, envy, intolerance, passion, bewilderment, hunger, and sleep. All of these are enemies. Sometimes one's conceptions are also polluted by goodness. So these different contaminations are obstacles in our path of understanding the Absolute Truth, of understanding Krishna. So that's why the mercy of Guru is needed. When we take initiation, we are not only connected with the Guru, but the Guru's predecessors. Guru is representing the chain of Gurus. In Krishna consciousness, by taking initiation that connects you with His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is the founder of Acharya, 
and who is the shelter for all the devotees and also connects with our previous Acharyas, as I mentioned earlier, through Narad, through Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, up to Lord Brahma and Krishna. Krishna is always the original Guru. Krishna gives the knowledge of himself. Otherwise, nobody can know about Krishna unless Krishna reveals himself. If someone is head of state, nobody knows even what goes on exactly in the head of state's own uh, palaces or pavilions and things, unless they reveal it. Otherwise, there's certain secret. Why should they reveal some enemies may take advantage? So Krishna reveals himself to his devotees. Nade Bhaktamalamijanati. Except for his devotees, he doesn't reveal his confidential knowledge. So here also it states this human form of life of, is a most valuable boat, this form of body is the most valuable boat, and the spiritual master is the captain, Guru Karna Dharam, to guide the boat in flying across the ocean of nations. The instruction of Krishna is a favorable breeze. One must use all these facilities to cross over the ocean of nations. Since the spiritual master is the captain, one must serve the spiritual master very sincerely so that by his mercy, one will be able to get the mercy of the Supreme Lord. A significant word here is also Achyuta Bala. The spiritual master is certainly very merciful to his disciples, and consequently by satisfying him, a devotee gets strength from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu therefore says, Guru Krishna Prashade Pai Bhakti Lota Vij. One must first please the spiritual master, and then one automatically pleases Krishna and gets the strength with which to cross the ocean of nations. If one seriously desires to return home back to Godhead, one must therefore become strong enough by pleasing the spiritual master, for thus one gets the weapon with which to conquer there. So there's one uh, example, that one time there was a guru who had many disciples, and so all the disciples wanted to do personal service to the Guru. So he divided up amongst different disciples, different services. Some were taking care of the clothing, some were taking care of the bedding, some were taking care of the room. So two disciples were there, they were given the charge to take care of the charm, lotus feet. One had left foot and one had the right foot. So they'd go and they'd do massage to the feet, they'd clean it, they'd bathe it, whatever there was to do that they had the particular foot that was their serva, charan seva. So they are each serving one left foot, another was the right foot. So, but what happened was, these the two disciples, they developed like attitude, like this is my service. Like, I have the right foot, and I am doing better than that one who is doing left foot. And the left foot is saying, I am doing my service better than the one doing the right foot. <laughs> so they are these doing. So what have they developed some 
kind of enmity amongst each other. He's thinking that I'm doing better than the other, this is my service. So one day, one disciple, he couldn't come. So, that one foot was remaining without any uh, masas. <laughs> so that one decided he finished his foot, everything, he did very nicely. So that Guru said that, since the other person didn't come today, why don't you do the other foot? <laughs> he said, no, no, I can't do the other foot, that's not my service, uh, that's the other person, I don't want to interfere with him. Yeah, it's, a, it's only my foot. You <laughs> said, uh, you can do that one also, you know. But this person, he could fail to see that this is the Guru, so he kept only thinking, this is the service of the other person. So he was massaging the Guru, but he kept thinking of the other person. He became so angry at the other person <laughs> that he was just pushing so hard the foot, he broke the foot of the <laughs> That Guru screamed, oh, it broke actually, the bone, you know. And all other disciples came, what happened? He broke the foot of the Guru, they started beating him like anything with sticks. So the Guru said, no, no, don't beat him anyway. He is very enthusiastic, he's something, maybe he got too much enthusiastic, he's pressed and broke it. So the, the Guru saved him. So. Then that other disciple came back. He said, what you did? You broke the foot of the Guru. That's my service. Then he had so much trouble. He had to again heal the foot and all that. He thought, what is, I'm doing my service to the Guru. You've made my service so much complicated by breaking the foot. Our pleasure. Then we may become angry at Guru or with them, there will be a harmony. So Srila Prabhupada, he also gave similar example. Many disciples were massaging the back of the Guru. Saying, this is my part, you don't rub here. The others saying, no, this is my part. And then finally, they're all beating on the back. <laughs> and actually what this was was many sons on the back of the father. The father is yelling, what are you doing? Save me, save me. You're beating me, you're killing me. So Prabhupada said, don't fight over who's going to do what service or uh, in the end what happens, you're beating the back of the father or the guru. So this lesson was there, we should do for the pleasure of guru. We please guru, why? Because guru himself, he doesn't need anything. But what we do is, we please the guru in order to please Krishna. And whatever is given to the guru, he offers that to his guru. And to his guru, in this way it's given back to Krishna. So Krishna is ultimately So the whole purpose of devotional service is to please Krishna. Hari Toshana. So Krishna is pleased when his devotee is pleased. When we entering in devotional service, this means that we are changing our attitude. In material life, we are thinking, how can I be pleased? Material life, people are naturally, they're thinking that I am the center of everything, I should be served. In fact, even when a fly is lightning on top of the house, the fly is thinking, this is my home. I am the proprietor. 
One time, Prabhupada was giving lecture in America in a place called Gainesville. So Gainesville is an important college town. It has four or five universities, three four big universities, colleges, everything. But it's in a small place. I don't know, maybe you haven't heard of Gainesville. But people in Gainesville, they think that they're in a very important place. The Prabhupada is giving a big lecture, packed hall. He said to the people, he said, you people living here in Gainesville, in a very remote part of the world, thousands and thousands of miles away from the holy lands of Vrindavan and see Mayapur Dham, birthplace of uh, the Lord. We're living very far away here in this remote part of the world. How all shocked. You're thinking here we're in America, this is the center of the world. And we're against a very important place. And we are very important people. And Prabhupada is saying to them, you are living in a very remote part of the world, in a very distant place away from that important place, which is the Holy God. Everyone is thinking they are living in a very important place in the center. But actually center is the Golok Vrindavan, is the spiritual world. This is the real center. By nature and method we think to our, of course people, they don't always are not fully self-centered, but what happens is some people are only thinking of their own, their own body. But if someone also is serving the family, but they're extending their bodily concept that my family, my husband, my wife, my children, my grandfather, my grandmother, so they're only seeing their family, but they're fighting one family against other family. Then from family may become tribe, one tribe against another tribe, or one uh, community against another community. But this one person is very famous to serve his community. Then someone becomes a national, bigger than the community, maybe the nation or the state, then nation. Then someone will be serving the continent or the whole international community, causes of science, so on. What happens is in this way, but they're all serving with the concept that we are this body. So devotional service begins from the basic principle of Bhagavatam and the Vedas, Aham Brahmasmita, we are the spirit soul. And the spirit soul is the heart of Krishna. We are like a branch in the tree. If you water the root of the tree, the whole tree gets the water. If I put water on the leaf of the tree, will the tree become healthy? Where do you put the water in the tree? In the leaf or the root? So you put it on the root, the whole tree becomes us. So Krishna is the root. We are the branches in it. We are trying to put water on ourselves, but that doesn't help. You put water on the root and we get the nourishment. In the stomach, in the body, the stomach is getting all the food. And from the stomach, all the energy is being digested and digestive tract is going. So one time, all the senses of the body they had a meeting, we're just feeding the stomach and digestive tract. And we are, you see, we are doing all the work. But it's just getting all the enjoyment, enjoying all the food. 
So they decided that we won't be the slave to the stomach anymore. So hands, legs, arms, you see all the senses they went on a strike. Jindavat, Jindavat. No more work. Dharmagat. One. <laughs> so like this is going on for a few days, but, but no food was going in the body. So what's happening? All the senses getting weak. They said, what's why we are not serving the stomach, but now we are getting weaker and weaker. We go on like this, soon we are going to die. So they had another emergency meeting and they called off the strike. <laughs> they repeat the stomach. Then they fed the stomach again and then again they all got strength. So if we see that Krishna is the root, we serve Krishna, we feel happy. People are wondering how the devotees will be happy if they are not worrying about themselves so much. Not that we neglect ourselves, because the devotee also takes care of his body, his family, his community, his nation, but only the, his consciousness is different. Instead of doing it that this is the all there is, so if my community is finished, I am finished. My nation is finished, I am finished. If the devotee not even the whole world is finished, I am never finished. Because I am the eternal spirit soul. I am the part of Krishna. I am in a family, I am in a community, I will do my duty. But knowing that I have a higher purpose, I have a higher identity. I do it as a matter of duty, not as a matter of attachment that uh, this is who I am. The devotee does it with higher understanding. Therefore, he doesn't get frustrated when the difficulties come. People falsely identify with so many things. In Bangladesh, one lady, when she saw her favorite uh, football team lost in Italy this year, she became so heartbroken she committed suicide. What is it? What is the matter? Who, what football team won or didn't win? <laughs> But she became so affected, she thought, what is the use of living if my football team won? <laughs> this is the nature of illusion. We identify with something we are not. Even what is the football team but some big businessman has hired a bunch of people to go out and run in the field and play and make him money by selling tickets. But do the sentiment people are identifying, this is my team. It's all commercial uh, illusion. But people, they fall for it. So much so, someone took their life. Even the own football players, they are, they don't care. So much. <laughs> but these people are. So like that, so many things are there. We are losing our energy due to this misplacement of actual understanding. So this whole devotional service is based on real knowledge. Who we are, and then we engage for the service of Krishna through the Guru Parampara. So we should be careful when we are serving a Guru, don't break his feet. But rather we should try to, Guru is pleased that the, we also please the devotees. Don't think I am the only one serving, everyone has got the right to serve. But that we are serving in order to please, if we can make others uh, enthused to serve, that will be more pleasing to the Guru. The Vaishnava ones, that the other person is doing better than me, that's very good. If the Guru is more pleased by that person's service, that's also good. Let the Guru be pleased, that's the ultimate objective. Then let me also learn how to do it nicely and I can try to do better myself. So in this way, Krishna Consciousness is also that we have to chant the holy names. <coughs> 
to purify ourselves. But this purification comes naturally by rendering devotional service and by chanting Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. Whether you accept uh, someone as uh, your personal guru or not, still everyone should chant the holy name. This is for everyone, whether you're dikshit or not dikshit, initiated, uninitiated, whatever it may be, everyone needs to chant Hare and that's a universal process. Even if you have some other initiation, there's no harm in chanting Hare Krishna. This is recommended by all the Vedas. So it's very important that we, being a human being, one of the verses we read tonight, that this boat, the human body is a boat to cross us over the ocean, a birth and death. If we have a human birth, but we don't use it, if we just think that I have to somehow another some people over some very simple, very insignificant attachment, they are neglecting to cross this ocean of birth and death. When this body is finished, we have to take another birth. This is the reality of life. If we have the God consciousness, we go back to God. If we have the materialistic consciousness, we come back to this world. So while we have the human form of life, we can develop our God consciousness. While living in this material world, we can just simply add Krishna. Slight adjustment is there. Instead of doing things for our selfish physical gratification, we do such things that will be pleasing to Krishna. We still eat. We have to, whether you are eat prasadam or you eat other food, you will like it. Pleasure will be there. But we eat food after offering to Krishna. Why not give the dues to pay our tax to Krishna? If we don't give anything to Krishna and we just eat, that means we are stealing. Ultimately, who who gave the sunlight for the food? All the oil in the world is coming from sun, you know? You know that the oil, the petroleum product is coming from the sun? You know how that is? You don't know. What is petrol? It's organic. After millions of years, all the plants and things have been uh, compressed together by the under the earth. Those have been changed to carbon. From carbon, it's been changed to uh, petrol and gas. What does the plant get its energy from? Why the sun is growing in the sunlight? That sun rays have been transformed by the uh, chlorophyll and other uh, electrolysis into, uh, I don't know the exact word, so but, uh, forget it now. It gets transformed by the plants, and that uh, the same energy that's in the wood, is in coal, is in petrol. It's all coming from the sun. When you burn it, you're simply releasing that same energy that came from the sun in that particular form. And all this uh, type of fire energy is coming from the sun. Directly, indirectly. So that is all being provided by Krishna. All being provided by Vishnu, by the Supreme. But we are taking, but we are not paying our tax. So we have to suffer for that. 
So simply the devotional service means we accept that Lord is Jagannath, He is the proprietor, we are serving, paying back our taxes to Him. We are not being a thief and taking without giving. We are accepting that you gave me the food, you gave me the ability to speak, so I am chanting your name. You gave me the ability to think, so I am thinking about you. I have the ability to work, so I am working for you. We know everything is coming from Krishna, so we are giving back that same energy to Krishna. So it's not very difficult. And because when Krishna is pleased, we are part of Krishna, we get pleased. So the devotees are feeling very satisfied in their service. Everyone wants to be happy. If you chant Hare Krishna, then you'll feel very happy. You try it, and you can experience Anyway, this is a few thoughts. Now we will start the ceremony. One point is that you should chant avoiding the ten offenses of the Holy Name. You know the ten offenses? We have to memorize those uh, in the future, what the ten offenses are, more than very nicely. Shouldn't offend any pure uh, devotees who are preaching the holy names of the Lord. You shouldn't consider that the names of Krishna are equal or lesser than uh, the names, that there's any other name that's equal to or more than the name of Krishna, like the names of the different devas. Whether Shiva or Durga, any other Kali. These names are material names, they are not eternal. No, and Vishnu's names are eternal, Krishna's names. So, you shouldn't put them on the same level. You shouldn't uh, disobey the orders of the Guru. Tonight, when you make vows, those orders have to be followed. Subsequent instructions should also be followed should not offend the scriptures which are glorifying the holy name, the Shastras, and those scriptures following the Vedas. Then you shouldn't, uh, you see, consider the glories of the holy name to be an exaggeration. In the holy name sometimes uh, it says that you cannot commit so many sins that you can get rid of by chanting the holy name. Someone may hear this and say, how is that possible? You shouldn't doubt the glories of the holy name. Some people, by chanting even one Harinam, they could completely purify themselves. Someone we may be chanting their whole life, but they are chanting offensively, so they are not getting the same result. But if you chant even one time purely, you can get that result. So we are, we are chanting so many times, whether it's pure or not, only Krishna can say, we think it's not pure enough. So we go on practicing to chant pure and pure. So the name has its potential, has its power. So we shouldn't also speculate and add our own interpretation to the holy name. The name is Krishna. This is the real inner meaning. Some people say you chant japa, it's good for your blood pressure, breathing, exercise, all so many speculations. We don't hear all these things. We know that the name is Krishna. The power is because of Krishna's presence as his name. Don't put your own ideas in the name and hear other people's speculation about the name. One famous speaker in South India, who's a impersonalist, he was asked, why is it so many people are chanting Hare Krishna, they're getting a very good effect. You're saying all things are the same. Krishna's name in a rock is no different, so why is it they chant Hare Krishna? 
beginning the Ganesha, he said, don't think all this. It's nothing to do with the names Krishna and Ram. In between the names, there's a small voids are there. That void, that nothingness, that nothingness is what gives the bliss. <laughs> we hear this thing, we want to throw shoes on that person. In the name of Swamiji's, they are saying anything they feel like it. But what is the Vedas are saying? The Vedas are saying, Krishnam, Chintamani, Krishnas, Chaitanya Rasadikya, Purna Sutta, Nityamukta, Vinatva Naam, Anamna. This name is a pure transcendental living uh, personality of Godhead Himself in the form of sound. Just like Lord, we went to temple today, we saw the Lord in the form of uh, visible form. If Lord can appear in visible form, why cannot He appear in audible form? He can also appear as vibration. We're able to nowadays, we can watch the, the football match by uh, satellite television. You can watch, uh, you can talk by telephone anywhere in the world to vibration. Hear the radio, you turn on the radio, you can hear Moscow, London, America, everywhere. So by material means we are able to communicate by vibration. So why spiritual vibration, why we cannot communicate with God? Why are we limiting? So if somebody thinks that, uh, give some uh, speculation to the name and add their own interpretation, this all offenses should be avoided. Seven offenses to sin and the strength of chanting. If you accidentally commit some mistake, somehow by bad association or without any premeditation, you just commit a mistake or some sin, by chanting you can get forgiven for that. But it doesn't give one a license to purposely do some sin, thinking that later I'll chant and get rid of it. If someone does that, he's a cheater. And Krishna cheats him and doesn't, and rather he gives him more trouble. You be sincere, you try to do your level best, if some mistake is there, Krishna will adjust. By blessing a guru, you can get some, take some instruction and things can be worked out. But one should be very careful not to try to cheat Krishna. And Krishna is too clever, you read Mahabharata, nobody can cheat Krishna. <laughs> He'll cheat you. If you be very straightforward with Krishna, he'll be very straightforward with you. So that the Bhakti the Payat means you have to be totally open-hearted with Krishna. You have to open yourself to Krishna and just do what will be pleasing to Krishna. You have to take your life that I put in Krishna's hand, now I have to take my life and do with it that things which will be pleasing to Krishna. And knowing this is to my best interest. So when Krishna says you don't uh, take uh, intoxication or something, we don't think, well, I'll take a little intoxication, later I'll chant Hare Krishna, it'll be alright. That's an offense. Worse than just taking this, <coughs> someone makes a mistake. If you think that I'll do it and later I'll take shelter of Krishna and get freed from the sin. So the eighth offense is uh, to consider that the chanting is like some equal to some other, some other pious activity mentioned in the Karmakanda parts of the Veda is equal to chanting. Chanting is a transcendental, all-powerful process. But this Karmakanda things are temporary. 
they can give you a swarga, but this chanting can return you back to your original position in the spiritual world. So there's no comparison. If they start to compare that too, that's also offensive. Ninth offense is to preach to the faithless people. Someone who doesn't want to hear the glories of the holy name, we don't reveal all these uh, secrets about the name. We just say, Chant Hare Krishna, we have to We don't tell all these things about sin and about the power of the name because they won't believe it. They'll just think this person is just saying too many high things to belong to. We can't accept it. So you wait till someone has enough faith to, he believes in karma, believes in God, then you can reveal what is the real meaning of the name. If they come voluntarily, we can, we have to speak open. Lord, there are people come and they're listening, we accept that they're faithful. But we don't go out of our way to tell people things that they don't want to hear. But we tell them simply chant Hare Krishna because this is the order of Lord Krishna. So we can tell anyone to chant. We may not tell them all the esoteric meanings of chanting unless they have enough faith to be able to accept it. The tenth thing is that we should, uh, even after hearing so many glories of the holy name, if still we maintain our attachment, we don't surrender to Krishna after chanting Hare Krishna for some time. We understand everything about the philosophy. We know this is the purpose of life. We know this is what we should do. Still we hold back that I won't surrender to Krishna. Although some foolish attachment. This is offensive. Krishna is giving you the Revealed everything to you. Showed you the way. This is your way out of this uh, dungeon. And uh, still we want to remain in. It's like Shri Nagar and Krishna. So it's a very offensive. So that, if someone does that continuously, they, they may also lose their consciousness and they'll again forget everything. Door was open, it can also close. So we have to avoid that offense. When the door opens, we see the light, we see the opportunity, we should take it. Don't hesitate thinking that what will happen. We depend on Krishna and no one ever loses. He promises, my devotee will never perish. Of course, also chanting inattentively is, this is the tenth offense, we should chant and hear what is being chanted. So these ten offenses, we should avoid the uh, and chant Hare Krishna very attentively, and this way you can achieve success in your life. All perfections. 